We begin our day gathering together. Paying our respects to Buddha Dhamma Sangha. This is not just a formality, a tradition, but an essential part of our, our practice, our training. Learning to see what we think of as ourselves in a different way. When we uh, bow and chant, bowing to the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. We can consider this as the Buddha bowing to the Buddha, your own wisdom, your own quality of wakefulness, bowing to the Buddha. The Dhamma, your own nature, the reality of everything that you are, everything that nature is, bowing to the Dhamma, Sangha, that in your heart which loves the good, that in your heart which accords with all other beings, bows to the Sangha. This is a different way of reflecting. Buddha bows to the Buddha, Dhamma bows to the Dhamma, Sangha bows to the Sangha. And we reflect upon these essential teachings. To some of us, these are all familiar words. Dukkha, meaning unsatisfactoriness, a feeling of wrongness, suffering. sense in the heart that the, that the world shouldn't be this way. But I'd like it to be different. Separation from the liked. Having to deal with what you, having to deal with what you dislike. Not getting what you want. Dukkha. For some of us this concept is very familiar ancient. For others, the feeling might be familiar, but the concept, the name for it, is new. In the Pali language, the, the prefix du means bad or imbalanced or wrong or incorrect distorted, and the akka comes from the word meaning the, the hole at the center of the wheel that the axle goes through. So dukkha is a wheel that's not balanced on its axle, a wheel that's out of kilter, not running true. That's the feeling, dukkha unsatisfactory. 
that things are changing. Anicca, uncertain, not fixed, not stable. But things are not self, anatta. For some of us, these concepts are very familiar, well-worn. For others, these might be very new. What can that mean? The body is not self. Feelings are not self. What can that mean? We, we recite these teachings, these essential principles expounded by the Buddha, used by countless hundreds of thousands, millions of people over 25 centuries. Not just out of a devotion to a great teacher who lived many years ago, an ancient sage, but because of their practical ability to change change our lives today. Yeah, a useful set of tools that we can apply rather than just a, a set of precious ancient artifacts that we revere. Like a museum piece. It's more like a toolkit to Help us work with our minds, our bodies, our world. We've been together a few days now. So the, the mind has the opportunity to to settle, to calm down in this more peaceful, uniform, even environment. The rhythm of our sitting, walking meditation, keeping silence, the simplicity of our days, continuity of the meditation practice, helps things to settle. Perhaps you're finding that it's a little easier to bring the mind to the breath, to your footsteps, to the perceptions of each moment. And the attention stays with that more easily. You can decide to focus on the breath. And the attention is more ready to stay there. The body is at ease. The mind is more at ease. So the attention naturally rests in the present a little more easily. If you find that's the case, the attention stays with the present, noticing the, the flow of perceptions, thoughts that arise, pass away, but is unconfused by them doesn't chase after them, get absorbed in them or contentious against them. If the attention rests 
in a steady, even way of the present, then in the meditation there's no particular need to fix the attention on the rhythm of the breath. If the attention is already steady, fixed, we don't have to use the breath as an anchor, as a way of tying the attention to the present. If it's already resting there, if your boat is up on the beach, you don't need to put down an anchor as well. You don't need to tie it up. It's resting steadily, not going anywhere. So as and when you find the attention is more steady, grounded, undistracted, then we can let go of the breath as a particular object, or let go of the feeling of our footsteps as we walk as a particular object. Rather, open the attention, broaden the scope of attention to include the flow of all perceptions. Are the sensations of the body, things that we hear, things we see? To let the heart be that open, receptive, attentive space that receives all things, knows all things, lets go of all things. Now in this quality of open awareness, and part of that is training the mind not to get caught into the detail, not getting snagged on like and dislike. Approval, disapproval. But sustaining a quality of, of being impartial, unbiased. even-minded and receptive to all things. Not grabbing hold of the bits we like, rejecting and contending against the bits we don't like. Rather, receiving the flow of experience, opening the heart to the world, knowing the world. Moment by moment, just like the sounds of my words, Letting them form in the space of the mind, know them, let them go. It's like the lungs breathe in the air, receive the oxygen, let go of the carbon dioxide and breathe it out. The mind can breathe in the patterns of perception at each moment. Thought, feeling, mood, sound and sight, taste. Breathe it in, know it, let it all go. In the morning chanting that we just did, these reflections on form, feeling, perception, mental formations, sense consciousness, 
This is a, a way that the Buddha used to conveniently divide up body and mind. The world of material form, our physical body, physical world, and mind. Nama and Rupa, mind and body. It's a convenient way to slice up the pie of what we are. Rupa, the body, and Vedana, feeling, sensation. Perception, sanya, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. Mental formations, sankhara. Memories, ideas, moods, intentions, imagination. Sankara. And vijnana is <coughs> the basic cognitive faculty of mind, that which discriminates this from that. The most fundamental, simple activity of, of, <coughs> of mind that discriminates between or perceptions, or thoughts, and notices the beginning and ending of, thing, ending of things, the dividing line between things. This is just a convenient way of looking at the aspects of body and mind, and then reflecting on the, <coughs> the felt experience. So to sustain this quality of open awareness, when you direct the meditation in that way, we use these simple divisions as a way of sustaining that unbiased, open, receptive quality. Rather than, I wonder what that bird is, or I like that sound, or I don't like that sound, thinking about the English pigeons and the American doves. No, it's just sound, hearing. Sanya anicca. Perception changes. Memory. Remembering last night's Dhamma talk. Sankara is changing. Anicca. Mental formations are changing. Can we own a memory? Is there a, a solid individual me that is that which possesses a memory? That makes it mine? No. There's remembering. We can't find an owner, a doer. Sankara anatta. So we use these simple structures, body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, consciousness, as a way of naming the aspects of our experience, what we think of as ourselves, 
me, this body, this mind. We can conveniently frame it, as the, these five groups, the five khandhas. And then to sustain that quality of unbiased, open awareness, we can reflect on the intrinsic qualities of every pattern of experience. These are organic patterns of change, patterns of nature. They're in a constant state of flow. No pattern of sound or feeling or body and form, memory or ideas. None of it stays. It's anicca, fluid, transient, uncertain, empty. So if we reflect upon that transient, fluid, uncertain quality, the heart doesn't attach, doesn't identify, doesn't get snagged on the content of a, a sound or a feeling, a thought. It helps the heart to remain unentangled, to not cling, reject. And the reflections on dukkha, unsatisfactoriness. No matter how sweet the memory, how beautiful the sound, it can't stay pleasing permanently. It pleases for a moment, that sweet, delicious taste is there, and then becomes ordinary. After a five seconds or a minute, an hour, the thrill fades. That's how nature works. It can't permanently satisfy. Dukkha. Anatta, which can be quite mysterious, is a way of looking at how the mind claims these thoughts, these feelings, this ache in my hip, this memory is mine. I feel that. This is my memory. I'm experiencing. But the reflections on anatta support that investigation of, well, if there's a me that owns this feeling in the hip, what does that me look like? Does the owner have a hip too? Where is it? What is it? Is it female, male, monastic, lay, Theravadan, human? Tall, short? Does it have edges, a shape, a beginning and an end? When there's an exploring, investigation, the only characteristic of the so-called owner or doer is that it knows, it's aware. There's wakefulness, awareness. So in the meditation, if we wish to develop and sustain this quality of open awareness, being attentive to the present reality, 
And we use these tools, these reflections on anicca, dukkha, anatta, transiency, unsatisfactoriness, not self, as a way of sustaining that openness, a way of counteracting the mind's habit of grasping and choosing, clinging, rejecting. Rather than my memory, there's remembering. Rather than I like, there's liking. Rather than I don't like, there's disliking. Arising, passing away, ownerless. So these are not principles that the Buddha put out for us to believe in, sacred objects to be worshipped or examined in the museum, but they're tools for us to use, moment by moment. You hear the sound of my voice? Does it have an owner? Is it changing? Is it, is it satisfying? Permanently? Totally? And when we apply those reflections, what happens? The heart disentangles, lets go. These things open, spacious. So we use these three principles, these three qualities, as tools to help the heart stay open, unbiased, fresh to the present reality. That's all. If your mind is still very busy and agitated, far from being safely up on the beach, but being swept around by the wind and the currents and the tides, then it's good to sustain uh, the attention on the breath or use the uh, fixed and clear meditation object to focus on. But as and when the attention is steady, easy, resting firmly in the present, then you can use these tools to cultivate the, this unbiased awareness, this open attunement, knowing the present, simply being awake. We have to know, have to decide, see for ourselves what we need, what's useful for us, moment by moment as the day develops. <laughs>